welcome to the show. This is Everything Trying to Kill You. My name is Rachel. This is Mary Kay, and this is Mary. And we're here today. We're going to talk about the movie Creep. So um, Mary Kay has quite a huge announcement, quite a huge achievement. And I want you all to listen very carefully and do exactly as she says. Buy my book. That was the that was That's the, the whole, whole ass instruction. <laughs> Just copy my, um... copy paste her name <laughs> from the show notes into Amazon. Uh huh. It should come right up. It's called America's First Female Serial Killer, Jane Toppin in the Making of a Murderer. Because she wanted to make sure that you would remember the title, so she kept it really short and pithy. I decided I wanted my book to sound like an indie rock band like album from 2003. So anyway, I'm going to start saying, hello, I'm Mary Kay, buy my book, like Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration. That's what we decided when we were yeah, oh, good. getting together. So, And I'm going to link to it in the show notes. Don't worry, I won't let it get past you. <laughs> You're going to hear about it every day from now until the end of time. And by that, I mean by the time my next book comes out, which is when I'll just sub it out. Yay! Put it in the car. 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 Hey, hey, hey. You guys can't tell I'm doing the crybaby on my office floor right now. <laughs> I, I just, I find that so hard to believe. And it really... Why? I just, I feel like now you're an unreliable narrator. <laughs> totally in character. It is in character, just the circumstances of you crybabying while you record and me being able to hear you still seem like... I don't know. I feel like I'm in an Agatha Christie novel now. Like, I'm going to spend the rest of the night trying to figure out how you could possibly have been doing that. Oh, everyone stabbed me once. <laughs> you were the murderer all along. It was me all along. <laughs> like that episode of uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine where Terry's under anesthesia because he's going to get the vasectomy, but it didn't work because it wasn't enough anesthesia. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Jake's like figured out what happened with this crime that they've been working on. He's like, Terry, that's it. And Terry's like, so what you're saying is, I did it. I stabbed him. <laughs> and Jake's like, what? No. <laughs> I laughed so. I love Terry Crews I, so much. I laughed When people were so talking hard. about maybe he's going to be King Triton. Yo. I was so excited. I didn't know that. I don't know. I and then I also heard it could be Javier Bardem, but honestly, either one of them shouting, he's a human, you're a mermaid, is exactly the pep talk that I need. Yeah, anytime. It actually might go farther if it was Terry Crews, though, because, you know, he just seems like the kind of guy who believes in the goodness of people. And so for him to be like, Adrian Pimento is not good enough for you is really saying something. I would, I would trust Terry <laughs> Crews' life advice in just about any circumstance. Um, there's a cat under my chair, and I only found out just now when I went to put my foot down and almost squished it. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a quiet he's a quiet fellow. Um, speaking of creatures, the movie Creep features Mark Duplass and slash as a character <laughs> called Peach Fuzz. Yes. The Ew. entire thing is gross. It's my favorite. It's my favorite. <laughs> but the, it, it brings us to a really important question, which is, if you were a homicidal... Furry. If you were a homicidal Mark Duplos and part of your persona involved an animalistic mask, 
with which to discomfit your prey? What would your mask be and what would you name it? So would it be a giant wolf named Peach Fuzz? Or was, was this your question? Yeah, and I think it would be also a really good idea for like people listening in to also like comment on all the social media, like give yourself your own peach fuzz. Like what the fuck would that look like? <laughs> and like, I don't think it sh- I don't think it has to be limited to animals either. Like, you know how you have like okay. Halloween masks. That's like Bill Clinton. You know how people say yeah. like, Oh, like whoever, like Hermione Granger is my spirit animal. Like whoever, like whatever you think is like your thing on the inside, but make it mm-hmm. fucking scary let us know. I want to know about it. And bonus, if you can give them a song, too. <gasps> a theme song? Yes. Can mine be Hell a beluga yeah. whale? And then I sing the Raffi song, Baby Beluga, while I hunt you to murder you. I just think that super smooth... The people to do? I think that super smooth white thing where my face is all the way at the top of my head and you can barely see it if I'm standing in front of you <laughs> would really right. work. It sounds a lot like the uh woman creature in scary stories to tell oh, in the yeah. oh yeah but does she go around yeah. going baby beluga no that would be way oh, worse baby beluga wow i'm gonna have to turn my light on at night tonight oh you're gonna think i'm coming for you singing raffy <laughs> <laughs> a real beluga isn't scary though because once it's out the water you're like haha bitch come for me what are you gonna do you're dating a whale you're single to me what's it gonna do um, so yeah, but I think that like a human with a whale head singing children's songs from the early nineties would be terrible. Woof. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're right. You can only deter me by throwing small fish. I got all excited and chase them. <laughs> Death straight down the gullet. <laughs> it's like ski ball, but <laughs> with your gullet. <laughs> Which, again, is at the top of my head because uh, for the mask to work. <laughs> I need to invoke the office again. Do you guys remember when Dwight got the jack-o'-lantern stuck on his head? Yes. Okay, so that was the first thing that came to mind, but I feel like that's a little bit lazy because I make office jokes all the time. So I'm going to do another pop culture reference, and I would be the hormone monstrous. I wouldn't be scared of you, though. Yes. I would be like, oh, my friend is here. Yeah, queen, yes, queen, yes, queen. I would just be excited to see you. Exactly. But she wouldn't creep me out then. So I would, but I would name it, and her name is Connie, which I think is perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't really get to name her, but I do think uh, that the song would be that old Kia song. First, you got to put your neck into it. Don't stop, just do it, do it. Because she's the hormone monstrous, you know? So that would be my Peach Fuzz version. Because it's a little bit, it's like weirdly bestial sexuality. Also, oh, that, can we oh just, there you go. I know that I'm getting, I know that I'm getting ahead of what we're going to talk about today. But I just loved how when he put that mask on, he like rubbed his butt on the door. He was like, he was legit gyrating yeah it was such a good choice to do that it's so creepy yeah i because this is a horror podcast i naturally yeah. thought we were supposed to make this like really scary so forgive yeah me. let's do it have you I heard thought that my beluga was scary <laughs> i thought my hormone song... monstrous sitting on your face to death was scary too <laughs> 
I know, but then I just heard Mary Kay, so I'm like, oh, that's such a good time. <laughs> so <Thank you. laughs> I I don't know if you ever heard of the creepy pasta about the suicidal Mickey Mouse video. No. <laughs> no. Oh god. Okay. Well, I you don't have to watch the video, but if you do a Google image of it, there's this very, very creepy terrifying image of Mickey Mouse where his eyes are all wide and he has a big smile and there's like blood and whatever. Like Momo? Yeah, similar to Momo but not as terrifying because it's recognizable okay. as Mickey gotcha. Mouse. But you know like that whole concept where they have the big eyes and the wide smiling yeah. mouth? It's terrifying. Like Black Hole Sun? Yeah. That music video where they just keep smiling and it goes too far. So have I have I talked on the show before about the fact that for um for the the uh, arts program I worked at, the kids in the after school program made a music video for Black Hole Sun. Yes, and it's like the most disturbing <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my life. Because the kids amazing. sing it, so it's like that was like a xylophone, and it's like Black Hole Sun, won't you come? Wow! 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 <laughs> And it's, it's just like them on a on a swing, and then the child disappears, and the swing keeps going. And there's it's a like Barbie in black and white, grill. just like shots of puddles. <laughs> Honestly, it's Wait, very so 90s that... with the black and white and the puddles. And... What's your uh, song, Rachel? Well, Is it Black Hole Sun? No, it's definitely okay. not. Um, I don't know what the name would be. It'd be something like Happy Mickey or something. And mm-hmm. this song would be... Secret secrets are no fun when they're shared with everyone. Yeah. Nice. I see. I thought you were gonna like lean into the Disney and go with like it's a small world or when you wish upon a star. Which truly, if you just if you do them slightly wrong, they're gonna sound like the worst thing that's ever happened. To or anyone. once upon a dream when Lana Del Rey slowed it down just a little bit. Oh god. So it was almost arrhythmic. Yeah. But do you yeah. remember in school when they used to say like secret secrets are no fun? Unless secrets hurt someone. I actually no, they, never heard that until I watched the opera. No, they yeah, used same. to say, and where I was from, they would say, unless they're shared with everyone. And I thought, like, recently, I thought that was like, well, that's bullshit. It's more fun when, like, whatever. Also, and so, like, they're this, not a secret anymore, so. So oh. this guy at work came up to me asking me for something, and I looked at him, and I go, secret secrets are no fun when they're shared with everyone. And he looks at me, and he goes, well. <laughs> so now I look for any excuse <laughs> to say yeah. it to people. Yeah, I love that. Well, you could sing that to a Disney tune if you don't have a tune already. Like, secret secrets are no fun when they're shared with everyone. Oh, that gave me a deep shiver. Yay! Also, so I went to the ballet this past weekend. It was amazing, but um, the last part. It, I mean, they're such incredible dancers, you know, that I have to find some humor in it. And it was so creepy and cool because they were on point, but they were doing, um, damn, if Megan was here, she would know that what this is called, but where you walk really, really fast, small steps. Mm. Like on your uh, toes or just walking fast, small steps? No, on on point. Oh my God, I do know what that is and I just cannot remember. I do too. Right it now. starts with the P. Um, yeah, well, my brain is broke right now because sure. it's been, I've had a good week, guys. I've had a lot of a week. Boo-ray. I think it's a boo-ray. I think. So, but they did it backwards across the stage, like just linearly parallel to downstage. 
And it was so creepy because they were all going at different paces and it had like this weird ambient music. Anyway, that's how I would walk as the Hormone Monstrous on point backwards in a bourree. Wow. You know, I don't think I gave my beluga a name. Yeah. Hmm. I'll come with that. It has to be, remember, weirdly sexual. Yeah. Oh. Then mine's going to be Tickle Me Mickey. (laughs) Happy Mickey is also kind of gross. Yeah, Happy Mickey does sound like a sex move that I don't want to know about. It sounds like a position <laughs> where, like, someone's foot is making a smile. It sounds like it sounds to me like like one of those sex things that no one has ever actually done, but everyone knows about. Yeah, like that, like that pirate Talks one, about, like yeah. the something pirate. Yeah, I don't know about that one. It was on New Girl. Um, I don't know. Like, hand me my hat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking more of like blue anyway, waffle, so did, which like again not real, but everyone thought it, like talked about it constantly for like three years. Oh yeah. Um. So did y'all think this movie was scary? That's a difficult question because I think that there are parts that are scary, but I think the bulk of the movie is in the name. I think the most the the bulk of it is creepy, and I think then it gets scary and so like a lot of the things I'm going to chime in tonight is I'm going to I'm going to talk a lot about the things that information that's presented to us is creepy and then that same information later gets warped in the near the end to where it's like okay now it's that same thing from before but now it's terrifying because at first it's just weird it's just like a little off yeah which for me as a woman who thinks like prey is enough to be scary. But one thing I thought that was really cool about this movie is like, it's a man stalking another man who's bigger than him. Yes. So I thought that was really cool. I definitely. Cause as we were seeing it, I wasn't sure who I was supposed to be like, well, which one's the creep? I think it's the guy. That's funny because that's actually yeah. in an interview, what Mark Duplass had <clears throat> said, he was like, I want people to go into this from the beginning saying, who is the creep? And he- yeah, because I, I felt like in the beginning, the guy who's videotaping it reminded me of the dating game murderer. Like the guy who would be like, let me go take pictures of you. You're beautiful. Let's, you know, be a model. I've often described that part of my threshold for, for scary or not, or how scary something really is, is, uh, is this a circumstance that I could have just avoided? <laughs> and in this, this is one where like, yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff that happened was disturbing. There were some good jump scares. Like, the, there were moments that were frightening. But a lot of it to me was like, man, there were, you just never had to be here. And there were a lot of moments really early on where you could have, where you could still have left. Like, Joseph really takes his time to make sure that he, like, plants all of this, this psychological mess so that this will be effective. This is a guy who was bigger than him. This is a guy who did come here with his car, like who could defend himself. Um, so he may, and that's not even what's interesting to him, right? He doesn't want to physically overpower him. He wants to get into his head and prove that, like prove that in the end, this guy will drive up to meet him and try to make him feel better about his life. Um, he doesn't have to, he didn't have to overpower him but for all of that to work takes takes some time and it takes all of the stuff building up just right so i really do think that if this guy had just left five minutes in if he'd been like okay you're kind of weirding me out and i've just changed my mind i don't think that joseph would have 
physically tried to make him stay, he would have just been like, well, can't, don't want to build a reputation as that creepy guy. <laughs> like, people need to keep coming out here, so I'm just going to let him right, go. Right, exactly. And, like, we're going to talk more <laughs> later about, like, their characters and who they are. And I think that, like, he gives him so many opportunities in the from the jump, from the beginning. But because he keeps forgiving Joseph or, like, getting over it and continuing, that clicks with Joseph. And he's like, okay, we're I'm in it for from like I'm going to see it to the end because if he from the beginning was like I don't know man this is weird I agree with you I think Joseph would be like okay carry on but because he goes so far into it that he gets like this is the guy this is the guy yeah there's definitely like a victim profile that it seems like right. Joseph has like he needs a videographer which when the guy showed up I was like you number one don't need a videographer for this you record it on your iPhone like a normal person. Mm-hmm. Number two, if you wanted somebody to record it, wouldn't it be your pregnant wife? Right. And the thing that Mary was saying about um, you could have gotten out of this at any time, I think the scary part to me is when Joseph asks him, like, do you need money? And the guy's like, well, yeah, of course, everyone needs money. But th- that's what it comes down to is this guy was offering to pay too much for something that he didn't need. And Joseph, I mean, and uh, Aaron was in such a position, which I think probably many people have been in, where it's like, I can't afford to say no, even though this is creepy to me. Like, when you get desperate enough for money, you go on a Craigslist hunt, whether it's for, like, the things you need or, like, a service you can provide. Right. You know? I mean, that is true. Also, I do think that... I mean, I know that there's a sequel to this, and I have not, I have not yet watched it. Um, oh, I didn't know there was a sequel. Cool. Uh-huh. Oh, it's so good. Uh, okay. So I don't know if the sequel, if in the sequel, um, Joseph's next prey is a woman. In this circumstance, I was much more willing to buy that this guy keeps giving him second, third, seventeenth yes, chances because he's because a of dude. the guy. Um, yeah. yeah, right. I go on a Craigslist hunt absolutely, and when I see the ad that says "Women live here for free," I Fuck don't you. respond right, to right. it. When I see the ad that says, hey, you'll be basically be my personal assistant because I travel two weeks out of the month. And so I so you don't have to pay to live here and I'll even pay you like, no, of course, that's all. That's creepy as shit. You want me to walk around naked or like personal assistant means like masseuse or something like you. Mm-hmm. That's not a reasonable thing. Right. And if somebody says, I will give you four thousand dollars to come over for one afternoon to film me because I'm such a family man. Like, Where's no. your family at then? Exactly. That's my response to that. No, no. And I um, think part of so the for me, it, that, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, for me, like I said, between the fact that he had so many opportunities early on to leave, and the fact that this was so bizarre from the jump, um, the thing that helped me buy in enough to like stick it out was the fact that these were both men, and that especially guys like they go through so much of their life not even just taking for granted never noticing how often they think about their physical size and how much their size enables them to do until you put them on the spot and then they're real quick to use it or they're real quick to reference it even if they're not terribly big just knowing that like for like pound for pound their physical Mm -hmm. power is all very usefully in their arms right and um I just made a joke about that this weekend about all my powers in my base. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, if I can get you on the ground, I will kick. I will kick you to death if I can get you on the ground. That's right. I can't win in an arm wrestling contest, but if we do a leg wrestling contest, your ass is gonna be flipped immediately. (laughs) And strong. I've got a a lot of upper body strength for a woman, even when I am brutally out of shape. I could still do two or three pull-ups. I'm not going to best. Okay, Mark Duplass is the smaller guy in this situation. I'm not gonna beat him in a fist fight. No, right. Especially not when we both got adrenaline going. But I think men, I've noticed how often they could just kind of take that for granted mm-hmm. until... They have to use until it. Some, until something happens, yes. Until yeah, it kind right. of is sparked. Um, I mean, my poor brother, like, when we were kids, he accidentally broke one of my grandmother's ribs because he was so happy to see her. He hugged her too hard. Oh. And he was only, like, eight. And it like, but it like has given him this like complex going forward because he's like a really gregarious guy and he's really active and he is prone to doing things that he just does not realize had quite the amount of Mm. force that they do. Yeah. Um, So he thinks he's giving a vigorous handshake and you're like, well, I can't use my hand for the next two hours, but thank you. (laughs) Right. Like he thinks that he gave you a playful cuff on the shoulder and you just like hit the ground. Um, Very heavy handed. (laughs) Yeah, he's just, he's just, he's a really powerful guy. It's like they packed six foot five of man into a five, six guy. Um, so he'll be really sensitive about it sometimes and then completely unaware of it other times. And it, it's like, it takes up a lot of his subconscious headspace. Like it's something that he never is, he's not verbalizing or actively thinking about all the time, even for someone who has been made aware of it and who does think about it more consciously and who does have baggage around it. Hmm. Most of the time it manifests in his day-to-day life because he stopped thinking about it for a second. I have another way that this, uh, like the, it's not incepted, but there's like a seed of doubt that Joseph implants in Aaron about, um, like if he wasn't dying, quote unquote, um, this forced intimacy would be very weird for a man. So I... I don't know what I did with my... I'm going to just see if I can try and find me. Maybe I just put them somewhere weird. But I had written out my notes to this movie, and maybe I just deleted them. But any number of them were, when a man introduces himself to you in leggings. Back up. When the man takes off the leggings within the first five minutes of your acquaintanceship. Back the fuck up. When the man introducing himself to you in leggings is Mark Duplass, who then proceeds to take them off get in the tub with him. <laughs> Mary wants a tubby. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, actually... That could be that... My, can that be my whale's name? Oh, yeah. that's a good one. Tubby the whale. <laughs> and see, that's like the, my, my favorite thing about this movie that makes it so scary. And this is actually Mark Duplass like, actually admits in several interviews that he loves... He is obsessed with, like, weird people that make you uncomfortable. Mm. Um, That's another man thing. I guess so. <laughs> like, he I can don't do know. that. But then yeah. when you look at that, so I, I'm going to keep coming back to the creepy versus scary. So the tubby scene was super creepy. Yeah. Like, that is just creepy, but it's not terrifying. There's this man who is vulnerable, naked, talking about his unborn child who's never going to meet. But it's still really, really creepy. But then when right. you compare that to, I'm going to jump ahead to the, the moment when he says, 
he's trying to keep Aaron there. He goes, I have a conf- I lied to you. I have a confession. I need to get this off my chest, which is like unfair. It's like he's tr- socially like trapping him there. Right. And then he gives he's taking that. A, it's taking emotional hostages. Yes, right. exactly. Exactly. And then yeah. he tells this story about with his wife and he calls it a rape. That's like, in contrast, that one is terrifying. That forced intimacy where he, mm-hmm. and even like Aaron was like, okay, I'm done. Like, I got to yeah. go. So it's he has these moments where he's just really creepy. Like the first way he met him, he you couldn't even find him. And he does that. Joseph will do that all the time. He will take off and leave Aaron in the middle of nowhere vulnerable. And he mm-hmm. does that from the jump when he first met him. You don't know where he is. And then he does the jump scare where he's like, hey. And he opens the door for him. Come on out. There were a few good jump scares in this, and I something, and I and I enjoyed that. I appreciated that because you know they're fun, they're satisfying, and they get your heart pounding. And that's you know it's like riding roller coasters, right? You look forward to the drops. So I had a, I enjoyed that a lot, and I um, I liked that Peach Fuzz looked so scary on. Mm-hmm. I was a little, I was a little, I thought I had the thought that maybe Peach Fuzz would look very scary on the shelf, but when he actually put mm-hmm. him on, it would be like you know very. Maybe kind of cute, like like for a children's yeah. puppet show, and he was not cute. Yeah. Um, I also think, kind of going back to what Rachel was saying, I was trying to get my thought together. Um, that's the kind of thing you confess to make someone feel beholden to share something with you, like because he's not sorry for doing that, and it wasn't. I mean, to me, that did not sound like a rape. That sounded like weird, furry role play. Same. But the fact that he called it a rape. Well, it, it traps it traps somebody else in the conversation, right? Like, if they, they, have, they have the choice to make now, either that they're going to be complicit in what you've done. Right. Or they're going to, in that moment, like, cut ties, report you to the authorities, whatever they have to do. Um... But at this point, he knows that's he has not a responsibility. what Aaron's going to Once he's gotten that piece of information, he now has a responsibility to do something. He has to make a choice in one direction or the other. Um, he can't just like leave and pretend. If he, if he leaves and pretends that he just never heard it or that it doesn't matter, then he's complicit anyway. Even if right. he doesn't share anything else, even if he, right. even if he leaves right then somehow, that he, there, there is com- he's complicit for not um, doing something to stop it or prevent it from happening again. Yeah. So it's a really and it's 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 a tactic shift. I definitely yeah. think that happens frequently throughout the first couple acts. The the tactical shift of trying to figure out what will work, like what will get into his head. Is like being especially vulnerable with him going to work? Is being especially chummy with him going to work? Is the emotional hostage taking going to work? Like what will it take? Yeah, uh, I'm so glad that I didn't know this term emotional hostage before, but it really like resonates with me because um, a person whom I've dated, and I don't need to be any more specific than that, um, used to do that by like, uh, we would be in a fight and then he would tell me some deep secret about himself and then be like, I just felt like you deserve to know. Oh my God. Deserve. Oh my God. Fuck that guy. Let me tell you what I deserve. 
tell me. Oh, I was just being rhetorical. I mean, any oh. number of things. <laughs> <laughs> to not be the bottomless well for somebody else's guilt. What did you say? A bottomless you to, well for somebody else's dick? You deserve to not to not be the bottomless well for somebody else's guilt. Guilt. To be treated like... <laughs> I was like, no, there's an end to that. It doesn't just go forever. It's not Alice falling no, down I mean, the rabbit hole here. Well, okay, that's... That, that I guess we don't have everything in common, but, um, no, so emotional hostage taking, one of the best examples of it is somebody who says that if you don't, I'm going to hurt myself, right? Right. right. Like if you, if you don't engage with me in the way that I demand that you do, I will hurt myself or I will kill myself or, um, you know, like putting, putting, putting that kind of weight on somebody else. And what you just described is another great example of like, well... I can't get, I'm not getting the result I want, so I will just... Get it however I can. Change, cha- I will change the nature of the conversation mm-hmm. based on what I know this other person values. So, like, you're mad at me? Yeah, well, I This terrible thing happened to me when on. I was a child. I don't ever tell anyone about it. Right. Except for you. Now you're special. And, and, you can't be mad and should, should you, should you... I, I certainly hope that each one of us finds a partner, anyone who wants a partner anyway, finds a partner, finds friends, finds people in their sure, life sure. that they can talk to about all of this stuff. You should be talking to the people in your life about the things that you've been through. You should yeah, be able to discuss Yeah, but not with that as an ulterior motive. Stuff. Exactly. Yeah. You should be able to discuss these things and you should be, if this is something that you want in your life and something that you can do healthfully, and you may not be there yet, maybe one day you will be able to have healthful and calm discussions where you share this information with people because it's useful for your relationship going forward. Mm-hmm. But if it only comes up when everyone in the room is already escalated about something completely different. Right. That's just manipulative. Right. And if the only way you can share that information with somebody you care about is in this manipulative moment, if that's the only time that you like this, you can sincerely, people can sincerely believe like, well, that's, that's what I had to say. And that like, I, I was just being truthful and I realized that that was what was going Sure. But if that's the only time it's coming out, right? then you have a lot of other work to do the entire, the other 99% of the time. Yeah. But what's interesting about this is that Joseph knows that. That's an extra level of fucked up. That's like next level achievement unlocked kind of sociopathy. Yeah, you. We're, to be clearly, listeners, we are not saying that you should never tell. No, you should talk your about your someone. feelings whenever you want, but not not to a, get something. Not an, exactly, like not as a currency. Like I told you. And this, if the only time now you tell me, if the only time you're opening up about this stuff is mid fight or mid freakout, then it's time to it's time to reach out to some professionals. Mm-hmm. It's time to talk to the people who love you and say, hey, is this a pattern for me? I feel like it is, and and start figuring out how you break that pattern because it is a pattern that puts the people around you through their own stress and trauma, Mm -hmm. which is not, if that's not what you're trying to do, if the point really is connection, you're not getting it that way. You are not getting sincere and meaningful connection Mm -hmm. that way. What you're getting is a hostage, someone who will stay because it is the only safe thing to do. Thank you for coming to our TED Talk. End of lecture. <laughs> Look, everyone, the world everyone, is everyone can, everyone can do this. Perfectly psychologically healthy people are capable of this.
like it's a thing that it, there's a reason there's a phrase for yeah, it. Yeah, but it's, it's I mean, we've all done thing. shit we regret, right? And then you realize it, and then you you back walk right. over it, and you're like, shouldn't have done that in that moment. Not sorry that I told you. Shouldn't have done it like that. Mm-hmm. And then you don't do it again. That's the key. <laughs> That's exactly. the key to being actually sorry is that you don't continue to do it. It is anyway it's really disrespectful of other people's boundaries when they are telling you what they need. And you're like, well, trump card, motherfucker. Should we go ahead to the um, found footage? Um, this movie is shot in the found footage style. Yeah, but it has a twist. Well, I guess the twist here being that you spend the entire movie thinking it's being made, quote unquote, by one person. And ultimately right. that, oh, nope, no, no, no. All of this was put together, which also then begs the question, what don't we see? Right. Mm-hmm. Has... So for those of you who either haven't watched it yet, but will get around to it or watched it and are like, I don't understand what you're saying. You're being vague. Um, (laughs) Up until the final few moments, I mean, like the last two or three minutes of the movie, um, the footage is being taken by Aaron, who -hmm. is the videographer who visits uh, Joseph's home, ostensibly to assist him with making a video for his unborn son because Joseph is dying of cancer. Uh Um, And you spend Mm -hmm. the entire movie looking at this footage from Aaron's perspective. Aaron spends very, very little time on camera. But you're seeing most of this footage from his perspective and when he finally sets up the camera to go meet with Joseph in a park to try and process all the weird fuckery that's happened, Mm -hmm. um, he leaves the camera set up in case something weird happens. Well, something very weird does happen, at which point Joseph recovers the camera because he expected it to be there. And you realize that Whatever you've watched up until this point must have been cut together by Joseph. Yep. Um, so it's certainly possible. Uh, it does raise the question then, like, how much footage is there that we didn't get to see? Did Joseph deliberately eliminate or reframe right. some of the story? It means you've had an unreliable narrator all along, just not for the mm-hmm. reasons you thought. You knew mm-hmm. that Joseph yeah. was unreliable because it is revealed relatively early in the movie that he lied. About the midpoint of the movie, we realized that he lied about the entire premise for uh, for Aaron coming out. And you know that Aaron must be unreliable because, if only because you can't see what he's doing, right? So you can hear him interacting with Joseph, but when you can't see his expression, when you can't see his body language, it does affect how you interpret And we know that he on. can have very visceral reactions because... When Joseph was like, oh, I have to show you your face. I have to show you your face. You look like you were about to kill me. So we know Mm. he can have very visceral reactions, but we're not getting that. Mm -hmm. Right. And there are points at which he puts down the camera. So then we lose the the motion of him directing our vision, Mm -hmm. which also tells us what he wants us to look at and what he cares about. So, um, so yeah, so you've always known that. Aaron is unreliable, if only technically. Joseph is unreliable because he's straight up lying, only to be told in the end... No, the whole fucking thing is unreliable. You have no idea. Right. Yeah. What's been taken out or what's been cut together in such a way because, you know, Kuleshov effect. If you just show me three images in a pic- in a row, I will, my human brain will find a way to turn that into right. yeah. a Yeah, we'll make it into a narrative. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I also just, this wasn't a thing that we decided to talk about beforehand, but the conversation that Aaron has with Joseph's sister in the bathroom is just enough explication to confirm all of the uneasiness that we feel up until then. Yes. 
Yes. That I was, love that. That was definitely one of those moments that I was like, how many... Vindication. How many times or ways did you need her to say, get out of the house? Right. Right. Granted, the whole call is very quick. But the right. first thing that... First thing that woman says to him is, yeah, you need to leave. You need yeah. to leave. Yeah. And why, why is your response to that not, cool, I'll call you back in 10 minutes, but why? Why? No, tell me now while I'm hiding in a bathroom. This is very Harry Potter book five. Why isn't Dumbledore telling me? Why is he keeping things from me? I'm a, I'm a grown up. I'm 14. I'm a grown I'm up. The, I'm 14. I'm the oh chosen God. one. I'm the chosen one. <laughs> That's yeah. how you sound to me, Harry. In that book, you are a straight little punk. Mm-hmm. I also like how the sister didn't reveal too much information because he is her brother. I don't know how much she knows. Yeah, that and then also she was like, you should just leave. He has some problems. I have so many questions about mm-hmm. that, and I wish there will make another one based on Joseph and his sister, Angela. Yeah, that'd be cool. I would like to know how much she knows. I, I got the impression, Same. or rather the, the what I walked away with or, you know, interpreted from that was that she understands that he is not stable and that right. he is capable of behaving dangerously. Right. But her voice was not nearly, or she didn't call the police and send them out there. No. While she was right. firm, she was not urgent in some kind of like, your life is in danger, like, right. dear God, get off the phone with me way. So I thought, well, maybe she understands that Joseph would do a lot of inappropriate stuff and potentially even become physical if he needed felt he needed to. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't think she knows that he's got a cabinet's worth of VHS murders. I don't think right. she knows about the extent, but I think she does know she's he's violent because she offered to drop everything she was doing to go to where he is. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I think that that would be a normal amount, a normal response if, say, you had a brother who wet the bed his whole life and, like, tortured animals. Okay. You're like, "Uh, uh uh-oh, uh-oh. Even if I've never seen it. I've read books. I've watched television. I know where this is headed. I'm really glad my brother never did those things. (laughs) Me too, shit. Yeah. Well, before we leave the the theme of the, or the idea of, like, the found footage, what I found what was really interesting as like a really fun fact is like, so this was produced by Blumhouse and um, Jason Blum, who's in charge of Blumhouse, as you can imagine, he's the one who, um, he was behind um, paranormal activity. Mm-hmm. So, I think, wait, is it, I've been mispronouncing that. Bloom? Blum? Is it Bloom? I don't know which one's right. Blum? I don't, I honestly I would, don't know. I, maybe thought, it's I thought Bloom, but I have not, I've not actually No, maybe it it's Bloom. I don't know. I just, I just read I it. I don't know, but I, I was about to say it, and then I was like, wait, am I? No, I think you're <laughs> How right. How do I, I say think, it? Well, guys, I think you're right. I don't know. Us, I think the studio should just call us and tell us yeah, how to I say agree. it. Yeah, I agree. And then well, when they call us, we can have a chat with them, because I've got like six pitches I could make. Exactly. Yeah. But that's, I also that's think, what's so funny, is that he said that like, as you can imagine, he gets pitched every found footage film you can imagine all day long. That's all, right. all he deals with is people pitching him found footage films. And he says it's a lot harder to make a good found footage film than it is a traditional film. Right. And so he always tells them that and there's always just not good. And so he loves Mark Duplass so much. So, of course, he watched his pitch and he said Mm -hmm. that at first he did groan but then 
he said that this was so rare mm -hmm. because this is one of the only um, films that he feels like the concept is so inherently inorganic yeah. to found footage that it's yeah. impossible to shoot it in a traditional style. Right. And so he was like really excited yeah. and, on, and he got his team on board. And I thought that was like really cool. Yeah, well, also, that's one reason I liked it too was because the form imitates the content. Exactly. Like if the, it's if it's not necessary it for it to be shot in a weird way, why would you do it like that? And then, I feel and that way also the, about musical theater and fan of the opera. I don't normally like musical theater, but when mm. the form imitates the content, I'm down. Right. So I I think you have this beautiful marriage of the form and the content and then also the execution and that most of this was yeah. improvised. So not only was the concept well matched to the form, but then the execution was like this really solid follow through of these just these these two guys in a house improvising. Mm -hmm. They knew where the story needed to go. They knew what they needed to hit in the course of a scene or a take. But the actual words they used, their timing, their like they were they were playing. They were surprising each other, and they ended up, understandably, which is normal for improvised work, they ended up with a ton of footage. Right. Um, so that was, I think, was another smart way of proceeding. I think, you know, the first super famous and, and still one of the most famous found footage movies ever, Blair Witch, functioned the same mm -hmm. way. That yeah. they had some sense of where things needed to go, but the creators took steps to surprise the actors mm -hmm. and the actors were working off of impulse you know like they they had characters they had goals oh my gosh i have anxiety i could never do that mm -hmm. that would make me insane it's it's <laughs> hard to do but it's also it's a lot of fun when it's going when it goes well when you when you've got a cast that's really well matched when you've yeah, got never people go well who are me, who are well <laughs> It's a thing you can learn to do the same way you can learn to play an instrument. Like uh -huh. there are parameters to improvising sure. that, that set you up for success. Like I'm sure you've heard of like yes anding. Yeah. All right. So there, there's a number of, of like kind of rules like that and you can break them like in any art form. But there, sure. are, there are parameters that once you've really got them well internalized and you function in that space really well, um, your impulses in that environment are different than they would be. Mm -hmm. They would have been before you learned or they would be otherwise. So it, it is, I had an acting teacher actually who made us improvise. Like we spent the first half hour of an hour long class every day doing improv work because she felt that the skills that you learned becoming proficient in improv helped you with scripted work. Yeah, because that it, makes sense. Yeah, because it always pushes you towards the most interesting choice. If you're always accepting what your partner is giving you, then you're list, you have to be listening to them better. Mm -hmm. And you're responding to what's actually happening in the moment instead of trying to push something in a direction it needs to go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you sometimes you find people who can who can elevate crap material, but it can only go so far. And Tony Collette. Yeah, Tony Collette is always good. Always. Yeah. Also, she when you look over her career, she's made a lot of really good choices that I'm sure were not necessarily obviously good at the time. Yeah. Like that, if if she had. If you just knew about the project before it happened, like about a boy doesn't sound like it's going to be anything all that impactful, you know, like it's going to be Hugh Grant being a charming rapscallion for the kid. And it's actually I about that movie. Yeah, it's, it's much heavier than I remembered. It's really it has a lot of really powerful moments.
How did you guys feel about um, you pacing in this movie? Because it's really short. It is really short. I liked it, though. I feel like if it had been longer, I would have been like, ugh. Yeah, I mean, there were definitely moments that I felt like, wait, is a thing happening? Has something happened? I just kind of tried to check in every five or ten minutes and see, like, just keep tabs and pause the movie occasionally and see how far had we gotten. Like, you know, if we're at the halfway point in the movie, what's happened so far? Like, what's going on? Um, and I was like, you know, there's not a lot happening. Most of this is happening in the space, in the conversation, right? It's the space between them. Um, and this is one of those movies where as much as I say, like, oh, something could be a play, this this can't because right. the, the camera, like, the, the, the shape the camera gives to the experience is so specific. But yeah, there were a few moments where I was like, I don't think a thing happened. They just like walked into another room. Right. I never, I wasn't not having fun. I just realized that, wow, there's not. It's very character driven. Yeah. It's a pretty, it's a bit of a slow burn. Mm -hmm. Was the experience I had. Because even the jump scares, like they didn't tend to build on themselves. It was just kind of a like, we turned a corner and saw something surprising, but it wasn't actually a scary thing. Well, like with those jump scares, I just want to say real quick, was that like all of the ones where Joseph would like jump out. Yeah. I think because they're happening. off. I think, well, they weren't as scary. I think they were like, because I'm seeing it through someone else's lens, that Mm -hmm. to me, it wasn't a true jump scare. Like when you're in a theater and you have the tension music and then all of a sudden, "Ah!" and you're jumping like five feet out of your seat. But because there's no music and it's happening to Aaron and not to us, the audience, I feel like there's a little bit of a buffer. But the jump scare at the very, very end where mm. he screams into both the camera that's facing the now dead Aaron and he's also and then it turns to him mm-hmm. in real life and then screaming again I felt like that was the mm-hmm. the jump scare while all the other yeah. ones were kind of like little like creepy jump scares but that one was yeah. one where I was like fuck oh my right. god well the stakes and all the other ones were pretty were relatively low, right? Like and like you jumped and then you you could see it is a mask. You jumped and right. you're like, oh he just came out from behind a corner. Like he's being silly. Um so you may have had the physical reaction of like <gasps> but Yeah. You know, you're fine. I also think as far as pacing goes, whenever Joseph sneaks up on Aaron in the park mm-hmm. and he's like practicing his swing a couple times. Yeah. And then the, I don't even know how they did that. I assume it's a practical effect where it's just he gets hit and falls over. I don't know how to say this except for that it was very... I actually don't know how to say it. I'm just going to try to talk through what I'm thinking in that that should have been a huge moment. And it was so understated because of the way it was shot that you could tell it was... It was wrote to Joseph. Like he, that was not the first time and it would not be the last. And he was getting bored with it because that's how underplayed it was. It's a dramatically different, visually, it's a dramatically different moment than anything we've had so far. That's for very most true of too. the movie. It's, it's the we're only glued, like wide shot. Exactly. For most of the movie, we're yeah. glued to Aaron's eye. Mm-hmm. And so we're seeing what he's seeing from the angle that he's seeing it. And that tends to mean that we're seeing things in you know, if not close up, at least, you know, like a medium close up. And, yeah. um, and that's one of the few moments and it creates this real sense of helplessness because yeah. even if we don't have any actual agency the whole time, we're watching a movie, 
we are experiencing Aaron's agency as he moves around, as he shows us what he wants us to see, as right. he reacts to his scenario. Suddenly we are just trapped from a distance and we can't hear what's happening. Yeah. That's another That's weird thing. That's the big difference, I think, is that we can't hear it because we do have like a, I don't, it's not wider shot, but like a farther back mm-hmm. shot of him when he fixes the drinks for Joseph, when Aaron drinks when fixes the drinks in his apartment mm-hmm. when he won't let him fucking leave. And then he also sets the camera down for a second when he goes through Joseph's pockets to get his phone yeah. and find his keys. So it's, those are like the only two times that we see them both at the same mm-hmm. time or only three times, which is yeah. interesting because that's yeah. when we feel helpless because neither one of them is holding the camera. We're just yeah. watching, actually. Like, we have no agency and neither do they, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you have, we have very little perspective on what they can hear and see in mm-hmm. that moment. And the not hearing is weird because he gets so close to him. Yeah. So you want to scream at him and be like, what are you doing? How can you not hear someone walk immediately up behind you? Like, how yeah. does motherfucker have time? This is another time? reason why you know he's a big guy. Because tell me you don't go into a restaurant and choose a table where you can see both exits. Yeah, and he sits there, and the guy has time to practice a swing a couple times, put on peach yeah. fuzz, get all cozy, and then go for it. Like, how did you not notice somebody behind you? Because he was trusting him. That's the whole thing. Yeah. Right? That's why he says, yeah. you were my favorite. Yes. Because you really thought you were going to help me. And he yes. sat there with his back turned to literally yep. anything. Also, what a motherfucker to hit somebody in the back. So just shameful. add it to the long list of yeah, things right. wrong with Joseph. Just add it to right. the heaping pile. Well, I think, yeah, his whole game has, has never been, as we've said, it's never been about like physically overpowering this person. It's not about the besting has always come through psychologically. Like he's trying to get the better of him to, to prove his point psychologically. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that he cares if he's like braver or more honorable than this person. No, right. No, he just all. wants to win. Yeah, and he already won. By the time the guy showed up at the park, he'd won. It was done. Yeah. 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 Um, I want to talk about the name Peach Fuzz. I don't super much. Let's do oh it. Oh, my God. I want to hear what you have to say. Please. Oh, my God. Well, what do you think of when you hear Peach Fuzz? I think, like, prepubescent. Is that wrong? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's what I think of, too. Like, that mustache that looks nasty. It just looks like dirt. Um, and the fact that that's what you name your murderer wolf, I don't know. It's just a weird kind of Freudian stuck in adolescence, regressive animal thing. It's the dichotomy, right? Which the essence is terrifying wolf, but the name is harmless. Yeah. And then that's very much what Joseph is doing, right? Like on the face of it, harmless. Yeah. Well, the face of it, you know, family man trying to speak to his unborn son, the essences. Yeah, but then also when he was passing out, he kept saying peach fuzz over and over and started to masturbate. I just thought that was like dude stuff. I don't know. No, I think the whole thing with peach fuzz, like the story that he <laughs> I just told. I thought that was dude stuff. That has to be the title. That has... <laughs> 
The whole, I don't know. I was just like, men are gross. I don't know. I don't fucking know. That story that he told. <laughs> also, us- we can't control our dreaming, so I, I'm, I'm loathe to like. But he's slap- not asleep. I thought he actually was because oh, he drugged him. He, he was he like sedated, him. but he wasn't like completely. Asleep. I mean, he wasn't. It wasn't like some kind of healthy, normal going to sleep thing. No, he was drugged though. I mean, I hear you, and also it's a horror movie trope to have like a nightmare come true. Oh sure, sure. I just so. Like I'm just saying personally, that's kind of where I was like, he's drugged, he's out of it. I'm this. This is all creepy for him to be doing, but I don't know mm-hmm. that it mean, means anything beyond like, ew, I don't want to be around this. But if you go back to the story that he was talking about his wife with the internet, mm-hmm. and I'll talk about this a little bit later. But this was an example I was going to bring up about his halfway truths. Like, is he actually lying, or is he just changing mm-hmm. the details of the truth? And I feel like. When that happens and everything, how he's so connected to Peach Fuzz, I feel like maybe that story was true, but it was him. Like maybe there is this weird. Maybe it was a rape and not his wife. No, but I mean, like there is like he does have like a sexual kind of fantasy. Like not only does he identify with the wolf in the predatory way, but you know how they say there's a very thin, there's a thin line between love and hate. And then in sexuality, there's also a very thin line between sex and violence. And I think Mm -hmm. that goes hand in hand here. And so I think when he is identifying with this peach fuzz, I think it also becomes a very sexual thing. And so when I think peach fuzz and the prepubescent, I think it happened. Like it started when he was in adolescence and it stayed with him. And it's something that he kind of gets off on. So he's sedated. He's yeah. at his most vulnerable, and that's what he's doing. That's the that's the true Joseph. I did feel like the um, the story veers. So the initial parts about like the browser history and stuff. At first, I was like, I don't know if this. I mean, I don't know if any of this happened. I'm already sure this guy is a liar. Yeah. But but I did feel like the story veered suddenly from a realm where I could buy some of it to a realm where I could not anymore. Right. And I would not be surprised if they were working from the premise that the first thing he says, well, it didn't happen to his wife. He has an interest in this. This is the porn he watches. Yeah. And the second half is not what he has actually done, but what he has fantasized about doing. That, I mean, okay. I can see that. I also see this movie as a Little Red Riding Hood retelling, except for there is no Little Red Riding Hood. It's the Big Bad Wolf and the Huntsman. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, because that's what the huntsman does is he goes and gets the big bad wolf and now, cuts see, him open. I think that's porn I would watch. I mean, the big I bad wolf you. and the huntsman. I mean, I. I mean, that's basically what I'm, you did watch, except for instead of porn, it was a horror movie, and we just talked about how those were two very similar things. Well, then it's good <laughs> news for me that Mark Duplass in a wolf wig does not actually do anything for me. Yeah. That is good news for all of I'm us. Thank you. Glad, I'm glad to hear that. Glad to know that's how that turns out. Yeah. Um, he also, I feel like there's no one else who could have done this character this weirdly. Agreed. He's a weird dude. He yeah. loves it. I, he loves it. That's his yeah. favorite kind of humor. And that's how he found, that's how him and what's his name? Patrick Bryce, who plays Aaron. Yeah. That's how they got onto this whole thing because Patrick Bryce in his thesis in the film school, he did this um, this movie about this the last like adult film 
uh, theater in Spain or I don't I don't remember where. And he interviewed him, and the guy who owned it had this very obvious. He kept leaning forward and had this very obvious interest in him, and it was almost like uncomfortable. And that's what like they bonded over, and they were like, "This is." awesome this is what we're about like that's just like their humor that's like their weird dark humor that they love they love odd people who like kind of like make you feel uncomfortable like that's his yeah. brand that's the duplass brand it definitely is i've seen him in um you were never no not that um the one i love yeah and he has a very similar like i'm trying to be silly and innocuous and Really, I'm a fucking creep. Yeah, this is the only thing I've yeah. ever seen him in, and I'm so happy for it. Oh, even yeah. in even in the Mindy Project, he plays a character. Oh, that that's right. He's is the midwife super, who's super. He's just odd, and he makes other people uncomfortable or annoyed yeah. or stressed out all the time. Um, and I think some of it is that he's a really good-looking guy. And you see his penis in the sequel. Whoa. <laughs> Why didn't you so leave with that next, shit? What is wrong with you? Creep too. <laughs> well, no, he's a really good-looking guy, and he's good-looking in a really innocuous way. Yeah, he's like, like he's really not hot in a weird so, way. Yeah, yeah. He's not his name. His face is not so chiseled that like you're gonna feel like nervous around him. His body is not so sculpted that you're like, well, I'm not taking my clothes off in front of this guy. That's big dick energy. That's what that is. <laughs> That's exactly right. But he's he's a really he's a good looking guy and he's good looking in a way that you feel like you've met guys that look like like you know guys who look like this yeah. and and they're totally good looking in person. But if your friend was like, "This is my new boyfriend," you wouldn't be like, "Oh my god, he's gonna fucking kill her. He's trying yeah. to steal her money. What is he doing here?" <laughs> like he has charisma. That's basically what big dick energy is, right? So yeah, so I think that that makes a big difference. I think if he were this like really absurd looking person. Like really, really, really like this good looking. Oh yeah, hot people can get away with so much. It's but bullshit, were, but it's true. Yep. But I think if he were more absurdly hot, yeah, this wouldn't work as well. I think if no, he were definitely a really right. goofy looking guy, this wouldn't work as well. Part of it mm-hmm. is that this looks like he's he looks. It looks like, like, like the a hot nice guy looking, at the grocery store. Yeah, he's a nice looking guy. Like he's yeah. a guy that. If this were the person who like always did your oil change, you would look forward to getting your oil changed, but mm-hmm. you wouldn't like break your car just to go see him right so mark duplis come change my oil motherfucker (laughs) you know he has an ad for that on craigslist just kidding (laughs) joseph or mark because um um also do y'all want to talk about aaron too i mean so, so you can definitely tell um so guys when we made this outline before the episode I made it, uh, I made like a little like baby starter version because this was Rachel's first like Yay, episode to Helm. inaugural um, episode as a host. And she, well, she was super busy the weekend. We were all getting around to it. So I was like, look, I'll just throw a little bit up there just so you can kind of see how we usually start. And then you can do whatever you want with it. And after she filled it out, we usually write in different colors so we can, so we know who said what. And she was like, oh, I didn't think to change my color. So now you can't see what Mary wrote and what I did. <laughs> but this is the one section where I am positive which note is mine. Okay. Because oh, yeah. Like, under the topic of Aaron, it says, bruh, of course you got got. Why the fuck you went to that park? Why the fuck you went out of your locked home? Yep. <laughs> like, that 
that was so wild to me that he's like, I think this terrifying dude is outside of my house. I will open the door right. and leave the building to wander in the dark. Like, what is wrong and with you? And he never watched Scooby-Doo. The first thing that he got, so he knows, he even says in the video, oh, so now he knows where I live. And then his reaction is, I'm just gonna throw this away and forget about it. Mm-hmm. Like, that was literally his reaction. Like, that was gonna be the end. Like, and bitch. I think he, he does, to be fair, he does say, like, I that he contacted the cops and they were like, well, what are we going to yeah, do? Yeah, afterwards, like, after like he's just it a weirdo. Got scary, but after, like, the but, first yeah, I was package. Like, this is when you call the cops. When you are standing in your house, you can hear someone moving around outside, you don't know who it is, and you've recently had a weird interaction with a dude that you know told you a bunch of lies. This yeah. is the part where you call the cops because if they get here right now, then you've got something to work with. Right. Mm. Instead of leaving your damn home. Mm-hmm. To wander you into your never leave the house, yard. listeners. You never leave the house. This is why I'm glad to have learned that my dog will apparently attack an intruder. Like, I don't actually want anyone to, like, be murdered by my dog. Shit, I, want I will him... attack an intruder. I want him to live forever. <gasps> and I'm afraid he would get put down. But if someone intrudes in my home, I would like to think that the cops would just be like, good job, pup. Good job, mm-hmm. pup. And then make this him is... an honorary deputy. Oh my god, yes. I don't want to I don't want to live with a cop. I want to be able to enjoy my life. You're I love that you just said that. You're my favorite person. <laughs> god damn, you're great. He's um he's sleeping really peacefully right now. See, this is good. What this is good chill boy. for me. Such a good boy. So, we already know that he's extremely passive cuz at every clear sign, he's always done the people pleaser thing where he's like okay because the thing is is that whenever joseph would do something wrong like seriously wrong like the suicide joke he would like either manipulate the situation by like like apologizing apologizing profusely and how can you say no to a dying man on his dying wish of getting this video done or he would gaslight him by being like, mm-hmm. oh, are you scared? It's just Peach Fuzz, a friendly wolf. There's nothing to be scared of. Like, he would, like, gaslight him in, like, so many ways. Of course you're scared of this dude in a wolf mask. You've already seen his penis, like, seven times <laughs> Yeah, and the fact, like, the way that it looks is obviously terrifying, but he's presenting it in a way that's, like, no, it's you know my dad did it. My dad did it. Like what, his it, penis? penis? <laughs> <laughs> no, peach. Mud. I got it from my daddy. No. But what I Stop. the thing that I thought was so, so interesting, so interesting was the fact that Joseph called his fake unborn child Buddy. And then you see mm-hmm. him eventually call Aaron buddy. <gasps> oh, I did not put that together. That's so at the, gross. At the end I of like, it. I don't remember if it was a conversation or at the end of one of the videos that he sent him. He's like, okay, I'll talk to you later, buddy. Yeah. And then like he kept like from the very, very beginning when he was like, when he scared him and he turned the camera back on to Aaron be like, I have to see your face now. And he was talking about it. He was like, there's a little bit of peach fuzz in you yet. And then like when he said. Ew, that's a sex joke. And then he sent. Ew, I didn't even think of that. 
but then like later when he sent him the when he sent him the baby toy wolf and he was telling him to embrace his inner wolf it's almost like he's talking to him like it's his like unborn child like this like and like you talk about when you call someone your buddy that's your friend which he kept emphasizing the whole film it's like he kind of makes Aaron like his like weird like unborn child yeah. Well, that's the thing. If you think about each of these projects, like if he thinks about each of these murders as his like projects, right? Think about how we talk about projects that are important to us, especially artistic projects. It's my baby. Mm, mm, right. This is this is a. I'm sure for him, this is like one of his babies. This is one of his like. This is something that takes all of this labor and all of this investment and all of this care on his part. And it's difficult to bring to fruition. And I'm sure that for every video he's got on the shelf, there's a half a dozen failed attempts. And like, this is a big deal for him. It doesn't surprise me that like, that's all blurred together. And I did consider we've made, we've given Aaron a lot of grief for being a big dude and all of the complacency that seems to come with that. But I will say it did occur to me that one of the reasons he might be especially especially um, people-pleasing, is that he has learned over the years how to make himself less intimidating. Mm-hmm. That, it's a, that it's actually a tactic that but he doesn't necessarily do consciously, but kind of like how my brother has this like thing about, like, I will hurt people if I'm not careful. This guy has this thing that I will scare people if I don't go out of my way not to do it. At the same time, I wonder if it's like an anxiety thing. You know what I mean? Because I, be, I mean, it could be any number of things. It just occurred to me because I've known a number of people, both women and men, and at both of who have been very vocal about it, but folks who are unusually physically large. But at the same um, time, who have, every who've time... expressed that it makes them nervous, that like they know they make other people nervous and that they have mm-hmm. developed a pattern of, ha- of, of interactions or, or a set of habits that kind of minimize that physical space they take up. See, or the way that talking, their physical space affects other people. We keep talking about how big Aaron is, but the funny thing is, is that every time I see his face, I expect him to be big, and he is mm-hmm. tall. He is tall. Yeah, but he's a tall by guy. like the look of his face, he looks like he would be like, like how do we say like wide and very muscular, mm-hmm. but he's actually extremely skinny. And to yeah. the point to that whenever I see his full body, like when he puts a video on him while he's watching the the videos or when he got up out of bed, okay, okay, okay. Like he is so skinny that I feel like his body doesn't match his head. Like, it's just, like to me, I don't get an imposing. To me, I see like a nervous, just tall, skinny boy. I mean, he's he's on the thin side, but he's six foot six. Right. He's not. Oh, he's, he's not six like. Six foot six? He's not like a... That's the thing. Mark Duplass is not a short guy. Um, Patrick Bryce just towers over him. I didn't realize he was So he's he's not just like a tallish guy. Oh, that makes more sense. He's huge. Yeah, yeah, he's really tall. Okay. I didn't realize. Yeah. So he's he's definitely on the thin side. Like, he's not like a terribly burly... He's not skinny skinny, but like his face, like his head, whenever time I saw his head and I saw his body, I was like expecting, I don't know him to be but well, now also, that you're i know seeing that him from six wow you're seeing him from angles that um that do not lend to showing his proportions well right like he's it's always from like two feet from his own face by his like held on his own arm that you're seeing his head and right. I, I think actually he's not 
he's not like a skinny scrawny guy he's just not like yeah like he's he's yeah he's just not like a burly person so i didn't know he was six six so like i thought he was like yeah. six two or like six I'd see, oh i think i only had much context for that because i've seen mark duplass and other stuff and knew that like he's not he's not very short yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how tall he is, but I can check real quick. Is it wrong it. for me to say that because of how many times I've seen this movie and I haven't seen him in anything else, I have like a huge crush on him? Yeah, yeah, that's real fucked up. And we've. Um... Um, no, I had a crush on the guy and you were never really here, so. Yeah, well, we've also discussed that, so. Um, no, look, we all have fucked up crushes. Anymore. We all have, have fucked up crushes. Moment, but not anymore. Yeah. Oh my God, can our closer be what is your most on brand yet least fucked up movie or TV crush? What do you mean yes. on brand and wait, what? Least fucked up. So like Mary Kay, when she texted me while she was watching, you were never really here. And she was like, oh no, I'm in love with him. I was like, yeah, I've been waiting for this text on brand. And we both knew that like, this is not like if she actually met this dude and she were like, Mary, I would be like, are you fucking kidding me? Okay. I like, will just... set you on fire if you actually pursue this human. No, no, absolutely not. Of course you like him, but absolutely not. And I have on-brand crushes that I'm sure Mary Kay would be like, I will fuck you up. I will yank the teeth out of your head if you do this. What is wrong mm-hmm. with you? If it's obviously so bad for you. So there's... A, so <laughs> so we can do on-brand and gross, but since we've already established a couple of those, mm-hmm. um, we could also do on-brand and not gross, because that might be a heartwarming place to land after talking about handsome, handsome creepers for an hour, hour and a half. So are, wait, I just want to make it clear. It's a crush... That mm-hmm. is fucked up, and you know it's fucked up. No. Well, God damn it! <laughs> what do you What do you guys want to do? I was thinking a crush that is really on brand, like the one that when you say it, we're all going to be like, "Oh, of course you like him." But I was thinking the one that's like actually kind of wholesome. We could do instead the one that's on brand but terrible. Why don't we do both? I'm Fair enough. Still confused about the one that you're saying. So. I'm just saying, who are your on-brand crushes, both healthy and unhealthy? That's what we're actually doing. Okay. Like, your least surprising crushes, but a gross one and a healthy one, a wholesome one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And for the record, Mark Duplass is 5'10", 5'11". Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like I said, I, I knew that he was not, like, a small guy, so when they're standing in the creek... And the other guy is, like, looming over him. I was like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Right. That was a weird sort of inverted baptism. Mm-hmm. Very strange. Don't like that. Well, it was one of those moments where uh, where Joseph's tactics really work, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, he's a little, at first, uh, Aaron's a little resistant, but it ends up being a sincerely cute bonding moment with their weird little heart, heart pond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So have we, is there anything else we'd like to hit before we move on to our... Really quick, I know that like, as I, I, I love this movie so much. So I was like diving really deep into um, the making of this film. And every time, every time that Mark Duplass talks about this movie, he talks about, he brings back the fact that he likes, he well, in fact, he prefers to work with brand new filmmakers and he mentioned how well because I'm working on so many projects and when you get someone who's brand new like Patrick Bryce like fresh out of film school they're hungry they're 
eager. So they work their ass off. So they do the bulk of the work. And he even said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It was so funny. What is, is he interested in collaborating with a um, short, chubby brown woman? <laughs> <laughs> but he said that um, he, he even admits in one interview to having a personality that he can tweak in certain ways in order to get what he wants. And he calls it the president of the student council mentality. And he says, like, in, like, streamline, that's, like, kind of sociopathic. And he, like, admits it. And I think he was, was like, I think he was trying to be funny, like, making fun of himself. But it's also true. And then every time, literally every time in every interview when he – when you – when someone talks to him about this movie, he's talking about Patrick Bryce, his his, um, Mm co-actor. He would say, yeah, and we're actually, like, the closest friends in real life. Like, he looks right at the camera, and he's like, yeah, we're, like, the best friends. And it kind of reminds you of the character in this. It's like he yeah. kind of is, like, using him in a way, and he's he's packaging it in a way, and he's like, oh, yeah, we're, like, the best friends. Gross. So I think it's so funny. <laughs> so, like, earlier on when I said that, like, part of his character that made it creepy – was like the fact that he has like these dead eyes and like this huge smiling face. And like if Mark Douglas were to ever like hear this, I want him to know, I love you, I love you, I love you. <laughs> but but as after I watched the movie and I was watching the interviews, that wasn't for the movie. He just has these dead eyes. <laughs> That's just him. Yeah, as they're a person. little they're a little <laughs> Yeah, he's um I, I think I get the student council president mentality thing that it's not a like consciously or cruelly manipulative thing. No, it is a, right. Like, it's not malicious. It's, in it's any like way. Wh- it's like white dude code switching. Yes, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also, really quick, can we talk about how he like he he gave clues to Aaron the entire way? Yeah, like telling him, like. I'm going back to like these halfway truths, like like with Angela is like he said um, from the very beginning. When you saw that axe, did you think I was going to kill you with it? Yep, you have a Chekhov's gun right in the beginning. Chekhov's gun, yes, dude. I'm so glad that yeah. you said that. And then when he and said, he says, "I have an axe to grind." Yeah, about something. Yeah. And then in that same frame, when he said, um, right after when he was asking about the axe, he said. Um, if there was anyone you wanted to make peace with. And that's like kind of like asking someone like when they're kind of like offering them like their mm-hmm. last rights. Yep. Last words. And then like last Aaron words. said. Oh, I asked my dad about this recently. He said they don't call it last rights anymore. Because I asked what I asked him. We were watching something on TV or a movie and I was like, wait, do, what happens if you give a Catholic person last rights and they don't die? Like, do they have to do it over or do they just have to, like, live absolved? Like, what happens now? And dad was like, yeah, they don't. that's why they don't call it that anymore. Because it happens so frequently that a priest is brought in. So they call it, um, it's like the, the, it's like the ritual for the, for the unwell or ritual for the, for the ailing or something. The idea being that, like, if you did die, you're covered. But we're no longer calling it this thing that really fucks up the rest of your spiritual life because we cannot follow through on, on everything if you live. I was like, oh, that makes sense. So just a fun anecdote from the lives of, of, of preacher world. Also, wait, over. one last thing. When Joseph wrote A plus J forever on the rock, 
again that was creepy but then when he found the locket with that written Uh, that was fucking terrifying yeah that locket was creepy as fuck i'm always looking for unsolicited and overly intimate gifts from yes people i never want to see again i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) and then when he gave that confession isn't that what getting a wedding present is I know we're trying to wrap up, but when he gave that confession, it was so fucked up because he was actually, like, telling the truth. He was actually, like, yeah. tell he was being genuine, but in a way to lure him and say, like, I need help and I, I need you. You're the only one. Playing on his people-pleasing, like, mm-hmm. I'm going to trust him. It's your siren song. Oh, that's such Help a good me. way to Only put you. it, Mary Kay. Only you can. Yeah. Baby that was such a good way to put it. <laughs> I actually am gonna. I think I'm gonna write that song. Um, some more lyrics to um, to your song, Rachel, because I was like, I think I can do this. Oh, it fits my gosh, so that's nice. When you wish like upon a star, it, and then record it, and then also, we can post it, and then I can watch is, it a thousand times whenever I'm sad. That is the second time on this show. That I have, at, like, changed the lyrics to a classic Disney song, and the last time, sure enough, it was It's a Small World. Yeah. During the uh, Scary Stories episode. That's right. And then it became rapping, but this I one did about not. That. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Maybe next time. So what's your most on-brand and least fucked up crush? My most on-brand and most fucked up movie crush is Bill the Butcher from Gangs of New York. Yeah, yeah, I see all of it. I I see it. And my most on brand and least fucked up movie crush is Ardeth Bay from The Mummy from 1999. Oh, of wonderful. course. I think I sent you a gift of him the other day. Wait, do these have to be fictional? Oh, I just thought because they were movie crushes. Oh, okay. But I was—I I mean, I'm, you can go with TV, I guess, documentary or whatever. Like, does it have to be a movie? Can it be a real person? Sure. I guess. I mean, yeah. I, and now I'm a little nervous, but go ahead. <laughs> I'm scared to say. Do, Do it. it. Do it. My most on brand, but fucked up, totally fucked up, Vladimir Putin. Oh my God. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> yep. I'm not going to lie. Not Was gonna it lie. the shirtless on the horse thing? Was that what did it for you? No. No. <laughs> you just like dudes who are bald and whose features are all the wrong size and shape for their skull. <laughs> I am ashamed of it, and yet I'm also not ashamed of it. Like, I don't <laughs> like him as a person, but for some reason, I really want to have sex with Vladimir Putin. Oh, I've had, I mean, I've wanted to have sex with a lot of people that I don't respect as people. <laughs> it's very inconvenient. I'm not saying that I've done that, but I've wanted to. Usually, no, that's not true. Recently, <laughs> I've been able to like mind over matter it, but yeah. So Rachel, who's your wholesome on brand crush? Yeah, I don't know. I, I would say Ewan McGregor. Okay. Aww, I love him. Nice. He's great. I've always loved him. He's going to be in a new horror movie coming up. Yeah. Get ready. I saw that. Yeah. I've always. He's going to be Danny grown up, right? From The Shining? Yes. Yes. Oh, shit. And yeah. I've <gasps> always. Oh my God. Loved is he going to do the voice? Maybe. I want Takis. <laughs> Rachel. Rachel. I want to fuck you. 
Danny, let's get tackies. <laughs> that was that was so early in my podcasting career. But I know, it really, but it was classic. It's just though. it's some work that I've never really topped. So if you want to hear me peak <laughs> real early, guys, go back and check out our episode of The Shining, where I go into depth about what I imagine about what Tony and Danny talk about. Tony and Danny talk about when when they're not murdering. <laughs> When they're not okay, like, Mary, what are your crushes? It. Well, let's go totally unsurprising. So on brand and fucked up is going to be called Drogo because right. we got to stop standing rapists and murderers. You're and right. um, But man, his hair is so long. and I'm really glad that anyway. you made the distinction between Cal Drogo and Jason Momoa because I would yeah. much more prefer Cal Drogo because Jason Momoa annoys the shit out of me. <laughs> Jason, so here's the thing with Jason Momoa. He reminds me of my brother. Ew. Ooh. Yeah, so no interest there, but Carl Drogo, tremendous interest. Right, because he's um, a completely different person. Right, right, right. He's a very, like, energetic and goofy guy. Carl Drogo, not so much. Yeah, he's... Um, so that's my fucked no, up one. Jason Momoa is basically a real-life Gaston from... He's, like... <laughs> <laughs> he's so you know, obnoxious. Um, Amelia Clark described him as Tigger. From Winnie the Pooh. No, because Tigger is innocent and harmless. Jason Momoa is fucking obnoxious. Like, there was an actress that he was working with, and she it's, was... Tra- you're talking about Amber Heard. That during Aquaman, she said he would rip pages out of yeah, his books. Yeah, that's obnoxious. That's literally Gaston. It is literally what Gaston did in the cartoon. Yes. yes. And that's the thing. That's the kind of thing that I could see my brother doing, and when later you're like, that is property destruction. It wasn't just funny that, like, I missed that scene. Like, you ripped up a book. The book is trash now. He would, like, you'd have to be telling him that for him to be like, oh, my God. What have I done? But, like, he would not. It would not occur to him. Like, Wait, so what's what your wholesome crush then, Mary? Um, it's obviously. Um, yeah. It's obviously going to be. Um, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. No, Gomez. Raul Julia? Um, yeah, from the, Gomez from the Adams family, specifically okay. Raul. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Who's who's who? That's actually, his son answer. is. His son yeah. is married to a friend of mine from college. Isn't really? That no, that's awesome. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that that character, not like Raul Julia, though, like he is like Broadway royalty, silver screen royalty, like gone too soon, a legend. Yeah. We miss you. Mm. But that character specifically, like, okay. wholesomely, that is God how I want a man. Yeah, that is how I want a man to treat me. I want a man to be like absolutely yes. Let's go tango in a morgue. That I want to be that on the same page with somebody. I want someone that who like likes me exactly the way I am that Mm -hmm. much. I want like us against the world. That would be ideal. And if I can't have that, then I will have no one. And you know what? I'm on board with that. I'll just need to keep my house well stocked with batteries. It's fine. So up next (laughs) on our podcast, we're going to do a little bonus episode. I need to tell you all about it because um, pretty soon it's going to be October and that is when game on. Um, So a little bit of backstory. When I was grading research essays for my last semester teaching, I found a few student essays that were basically finished and they presented really cool ideas. So I pitched the idea of applying to this pop culture conference and a few dope former students got back to me about it with a fuck yeah. So our next episode is a bonus episode for Halloween and we're going to 
be basically recording the whole panel, which is about an hour and 15 minutes long with Q&A at the end. And before you all go being like, that sounds boring as fuck, hear me out. So you guys already know Caitlin Hobbs from our episode on Pan's Labyrinth. Um, She's talking about the heroine's journey in Pan's Labyrinth and also Coraline and several other horror movie favorites. Um, Selena Shanks is writing about the politics of, I believe, fashion and feminism in A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, which we also have an episode on. Mm -hmm. And was uh, before my time. Yeah. No, I thought you were on that one. No. No? Oh, okay. Well, wait. If you guys yes, seen that movie, yes. I'm on that one. I'm on that one. I'm yeah. th- I'm confusing it with a different story, but yes, yes, yes. Um, also, you heard me quote Emily Rubin when we did the Under the Skin podcast, but I couldn't tell you her name because she was my current student at that time. So she's writing about Under the Skin and a woman as predator who subverts her sexuality to better prey on men. So as you can he- see. They're geniuses, and I'm a great teacher. That's the conclusion of this. So um, those are really great topics, I thought. So I tried my best to write about the monstrous feminine in Darren Aronofsky's film Mother to try to keep up with them, and I'm moderating that panel, and those former students are fucking brilliant, and they make me look great because I used to teach them, and I take some credit for their genius. Um, also, tell your friends about our podcast. Rate, review, and subscribe. And this was Rachel's inaugural episode hosting. Woo-woo! So, doodly I love that. That can be, that's such a good catchphrase. Um, okay, do we need to talk about anything else? Buy Mary Kay's book. Buy my book. <laughs> Buy Mary Kay's book or my dog will kill you. Woo! I read some of it. It's bomb.com. I'm telling you, please, please. She even came to where I live here in Boston and we traveled to Cape Cod to yeah. try and find the house where she lived and we could not find yeah. it in Buzzards Bay. Yeah. So th- this is like Area 51 in Massachusetts. Like they're yeah. they're keeping this a fucking secret. We need to invade yeah. it, create a Facebook event, and we will storm it. Yes. Agreed. Everything that you just said, seconded, upvoted. Rachel housed me while I was researching it in Boston and outside of Boston. She's amazing. We love her. We're happy to have her on the show. Thank you. And yeah. Buy my book. (laughs) Buy her book. Fuck the police. Bye. (laughs) Love you. Bye.